Let's not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What Paul's saying is that if we are in Christ, there should be fruit. By the Spirit living in us, there should be fruit in our lives. That fruit should come out in things like love and joy and peace. People should see that because he says if we live by the Spirit, if we're going to say the Spirit lives in us, then our life should be a journey with the Spirit. We should be in step with Him, continually walking in the Spirit. And as we do that, we grow in these things. So that's why we started with love last week. We're just going to go in order. This week, we're looking at joy. So let's look at joy. The key verse that for this morning, it's in, your, it's in your notes. We don't have a slide for it, but the key verse that we, we uh, find at the beginning of our reading, if you're reading through your Believe book, is this. I have told you that... I've told you this so that my, your joy, yeah, I'm going to start over. I can't, okay. <laughs> I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So next week, we'll have a slide up there and we'll kind of, we'll say these together. But that's the verse. I have told you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what does joy look like? What is, what is joy in the life of a Christ follower? I think that one of the problems with the idea that people have about joy is we, we, we just, we have a misconception. Um, I think a lot of times when we think of when, you know, the Bible says that we should have joy in all things, that we should even find joy in our suffering, that kind of thing. I think people kind of just picture like we should just kind of go through life, not, you know, not having any idea about what's going on. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, you know, the, um, uh, the Winnie the Pooh series, you know, I know it was also a book, okay, but I didn't read it because the, okay, so, um, uh, but there's also, there's the show, and, and it's by Disney, and my kids watched that a lot as they were growing up, so there's these two characters in that that kind of illustrate what we're talking about. There, one of the characters is Tigger, okay, and if you, if you remember the show, the show or, or seen anything about it, you got to know that Tigger is, he's this, just, he's a tiger, and he, and he just is like happy and go lucky and just do do do. He just kind of goes through life, bounce around. Because that's always the way I think of tigers. That makes total sense, right? Um, but so he, he's just this tiger and he bounces around through life. And, and he's, but the problem with Tigger is he's completely unaware of his surroundings. He has no idea when it's inappropriate that he's all excited and exuberant. Um, he has no, he, no idea of what's happening around him. Doesn't care. But then on the other side in this uh, cartoon is, when, is um, Eeyore. And Eeyore just is always down about something, right? And he just, on Eeyore's best day, he's melancholy, right? And on the worst day, he's just completely depressed. You know, there's always a cloud over Eeyore. And he can always see the worst in every situation, and I think the problem is a lot of us think to, to have joy, we got to be like Tigger. And that's not what the Bible's telling us to do. The Bible's not telling you to just go through life and pretend that none of this bad stuff is happening. It's saying that in all things, no matter what, we can trust that God is in control and be content in the situations that we are in. So, so hopefully by the end of this, you're going to have a better understanding of what joy should look like, and then where do we find that joy? So let's start by just kind of defining joy. And I think one of the 
first things we're going to do to define joy is we have to understand that joy and happiness are two different things. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is a state of mind. But joy is a mindset. Happiness comes and goes. But joy is constant. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances, but joy is unconditional, and it's independent of circumstances. See, we tend in life to slide up and down the happiness scale depending on our daily mood. You know, what issues and problems or surprises come at us in that present day. If things are going great, we're bouncing around like Tigger. But when things become bad, we become like Eeyore. Right? Because happiness, is a, it, it just kind of changes depending on how things are going. So yesterday was an interesting day for me because um, I, it was pro- promenade. Am I saying it? Promenade, right? Did I say it right? Okay, so it's prom, but here in, in Utah, how many of you have experienced promenade? Like you've either been or you've watched someone else? Okay, few of you. few of you were there last night, and the, the rest of you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so promenade is different. Like when I went to prom in, in California, Prom was an excuse to get dressed up and pretend you had more money than you did and act like an idiot, right? That was, that was basically what prom was, okay? Now, here in Utah, at least, wait, the prom is kind of cool because they get dressed up and they pretend they have more money than they do. But, but, the, but, but they, they also teach them they, like, how to actually do a, a real dance, how, like they literally do a real a promenade dance and and they come and they do it in front of their parents so they actually learn something they actually learn how to dance instead of whatever it is that they call that that they do at normal dances but but they actually they actually do that and they do a formal dance and you watch and your parents watch and then you 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 the dads get to dance with your daughter and the moms get to dance with the son and and it's kind of nice. And then they go off and do whatever they do. But they at least get that period of time, right? And um, so I was kind of excited because it was Hannah's promenade. And I was, you know, I was like, okay, you know, it's a good night. I go, why, go watch and be, but be with her and do the dance. That was the part I was looking forward to. And, um, but then like an hour and a half before that happened, we ran a house out. And I was getting, I was, literally hadn't shaved and showered. And I was going to get ready to get in the shower. And the renter calls, and there's a, a, some sort of massive water leak, and and she's like, "You have to come. The basement's flooded, and and the walls are." And so, so I had to go over and and deal with that. And sure enough, the carpet's flooded, and the walls have just paint just all separated because water's run through, and there's and and we can't find the leak, and there's all, all sorts of issues. My happiness changed. I wasn't as happy as I had been five minutes earlier. But you know what? It didn't change the re- my whole day. I still we dealt with it, got, was able to make it in time to watch her dance and do the dance with her and enjoy a night. Why? I really believe be- a lot of it is because in, in Christ, I trust that God's going to take care of everything. Sure, I've got it. Does it mean I've got more work I'm going to have to do? Yep. Does it going to cost me some money? Yep. Guess what? Every time something costs me money, somehow I still eat. Somehow, by working hard and doing the things I do, I still, things, things get taken care of. So I can choose to let it ruin everything, or I can choose to go, okay, it is what it is. I'm mad about it, even. 
But I, gotta, I get over that, and we're going to enjoy the rest of the night. See, joy is contentment in all circumstances. Joy is contentment in all circumstances. Let's look at what Paul says. We read this a few weeks ago. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And we talked about this a few weeks ago um, when we talked about victory. When he's talking about I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he's not saying, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. No. He's saying no matter how, what life throws you, you can get through it if you lean on Christ, if you trust Christ in all things. See, true joy comes from a well within us that is perpetually springing. Through Christ, no matter what the trial is, no matter what the issue or the circumstances that we may face. Now, there are some enemies of joy. Before we actually talk about where we find joy, let's real quick look at some of the enemies of joy. Things like sadness, despair, and depression are enemies of joy. Um, Did you know, I read that Utah is among the highest of suicide rates among teenagers of all the states. In fact, last year it was reported that it was the number one cause of death among teenagers in Utah, outranking homicide, cancer, car accidents, anything else. The suicide. That, that, that's so sad to me that, that, with, that there's that amount of sadness and despair and depression. And there's, a, there's many contributing factors. We, we live in a society where many people are stressed out about the things that are going on in this world. And the smaller our world gets, the easier it is to get despair about it. The, the easier it is to be stressed out about it. Because we, we can read about anything and everything that happens anywhere and everywhere in a moment. We find out about it. So we start worrying about all of it. It's, people think it's bad. I don't watch the news. I purposely do not watch news. You know how I know when I need to watch news? If more than one person's mentioned something to me, then I'll, and usually, like, they'll say, hey, have you heard about it? I'll usually go, nope, haven't heard about that. And, and after one or two people, if two people mention it, I'll usually kind of go, okay, I should probably look into that. Because then I go, okay, that's probably something that may have some effect and may be important. But I personally watch it. You know why? Because it's depressing. I, and, and honestly, 95% of it doesn't, is not going to affect me. 5% might, and so I need, when I hear about it, I'll pay attention. Okay, I should, I should, that's something that looks like it has enough value. But I don't, I don't want to sift through all the other depressing stuff to get to that 5%. You know, and I've learned that now with the Internet, there's like you can do top stories. And I've kind of, I'll do stuff like that a little bit. But, but, but the idea of what, my dad used to watch the news all the time. And all he did was complain. He, he just, like, he got, he was, and when it came to the family, everything was good. But everything else in the world, oh, my gosh. I, I would purposely never bring something up with him. Right, because he would just complain about everything, and it was all stuff he got off the news. Because the smaller our world gets, we're hearing and knowing about every single thing that happens, and our mind becomes consumed with it. On the other side, I will say this: there are some people who we, they, you, they, and you may be one. So I'm not discounting this at all. Have a chemical. There are chemical imbalances that lead to severe depression. 
Okay, and that, that is a real thing, and we need to understand that and never make light of that, okay? But also, if you read, which I did a lot of reading this week the, from medical journals and stuff, there are a lot of people prescribing that, uh, medications for stuff that technically is not clinical depression. And we are learning to rely on medical things and pharmaceuticals to try to cover all of our issues versus dealing with them. And there's all sorts of, you know, people can talk about the pharmaceuticals industries are pushing it. It's just easy, what, whatever. But we're, we're getting to a point where you can't actually call someone out for learning to get over things and, and deal with life. Because we say, oh, no, 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 this is a medical issue. I, 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 I can't... I, I can't do, do, anything, do anything else. So, once again, there are some I I'm, I'm understand, okay? But I would also say it's, we, we need to really, that needs to be the last, the last option. We, we need to look at learning to overcome these things. Because I really do believe as we look at the way things are going in life, there's a difference between being clinical, de- clinically depressed and living in a society that we get over, where we get overwhelmed with everything that we're, we're told we have to understand and know about, and two, a society that has become more and more selfish, and that selfishness leads to people focusing on what's negative in my life. We focus on what I don't have compared to what other people have, and we focus on feelings of self-importance rather than focusing where Christ wants our focus to be. So once again, I just want to make sure, I am not trying to make light of a of real is, issue, but I think if we're really honest, we can all look at our society and see that we are living in a society that is telling us we're more important than we are, that people need to serve our interests, and if something and someone doesn't serve our interests, we shouldn't have it in our life. And that constantly is telling us to focus more and more on what I need in my life. But we were not created for that. We were not created to live for ourselves alone. uh, Many of you have probably heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs says this, that the first basic need is physical need, and that we will do whatever it takes to meet physical need, food, shelter, water. But then once that need is met, we will do whatever it takes to meet safety needs, okay, that have security, Right? But then once that need is met in a society, we do whatever it takes to have, find relationship, intimate relationship. Okay, and I'll get back to that in a second. Third, the next one is once we have relationship, we want esteem. We want to be noticed. We want, you ever ask, ask, ask 50 young people what they want to be when they grow up? And a lot of them will say famous. What do you want to be, famous? What for? I don't know. I just want to be famous. What are you practicing really hard at to earn some fame in? Nothing. <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 we, 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 want, we want to be noticed. We want to accomplish things, but we don't, we're not willing to work to, to accomplish. The next is finally one. The final one is self-actualization. Self-actualization. We want to be able to reach our full potential. We are told we should reach our full potential. We are told nowadays you shouldn't have a job. Don't do a job unless it completely fulfills you. Well, who got that idea? You do a job because you need a job. You need money. So go get, go, go work, 
right? We go, go tell a person in a developing country, oh, you know what? Don't take that job. That's not the fulfilling job for you. You know, you need to hold out for a fulfilling job. Only in our society have we ever been a people. Nobody before us or most of the world around us ever would even consider that as an idea. They would laugh at that as an idea. But in our society, that's becoming a thing that we just, we, we think, well, I, I could get a job right outside of college, but I'm holding out for the, for the main the thing that I, that I took my degree in, right? We, 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 we've got this idea that we have to be completely self-actualized. We, everything has to work to our benefit. And the more we think that way, the more depressed we become because we're not getting everything we think we need. I mean, even in our country, in our country, I would think, I think it's safe to say that even the poorest of the poor have the first two needs met. For the most part, have the for, first two needs met, the, the physical and the safety. Now, you can say, oh, no, 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 Shane. And I, okay, I, I've been to Skid Row in L.A. I've, I've spent a week de- down there. I've done that kind of thing. But I've also been to developing countries. And I'll, I'll put it up against each other all day long. And, and it's a totally different, it, you can't even compare the two. Our, our, our poor have what many countries, large amounts of their hardworking people do not have. We, are, we live in a culture, in a society where we're perpetually, we're perpetuating depression. Because the reality is, is we don't even have to think about the bottom two. And I also, this is just me speaking, but I believe that the third one, the intimate relationship, love, we're bypassing that one. We're, 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 we're going, we're, we're, it, it's work to have an intimate relationship. It's a lot of work to have an intimate relationship with someone. And we're being told everything's about our fulfillment. And you know what? This relationship isn't fulfilling me right now, so I don't need it. I'd, I'd rather work on my fulfillment and get negative energy out of my life. We're living in a culture where that's, that's what we're perpetuating. We have to be careful. We focus on ourselves so much that we become self-absorbed. And we focus on our problems rather than our blessings. I mean, think about this for a second. Check yourself for a week. The next week, anything you verbally or even mentally complain about, check yourself on it. Ask yourself, examine what you're complaining about. Think about it. You know, oh my gosh, can you believe it? I'm not getting cell phone service, right? Oh, oh, my phone stinks. My service sucks. I, I live in the mountains and I don't have service all the time, right? Or my, this internet is so slow. It's taking me so long to download this game, right? right? I heard a comedian talk about we complain about flight, right? We complain about all the delays at, um, at airports, right? You say, you have people, it's like, oh, they get off a flight. What's the first thing they do? They complain. Oh, it's, it's all these delays. Oh, and I had a layover, and I was sitting in the, in the chair. It only goes back like this, that much, you know? He, and he's like, you are flying from what? You're in a chair in the middle of the air in a big machine that goes across the country or across the world. That's nuts. He goes, we, you, we, we do it in four hours. We go to New York to L.A. in four or five hours. It used to take 30 years, right? You were a different people group when you got there. Right? And that was just a hundred years ago. 
we have become, or so much, we have so much at our fingertips that we complain. So where do we find joy? Because that stuff isn't bringing us joy. So where do we find it? One, we find it in others. We find joy in others. See, the more we focus on ourselves, the more we become self-absorbed. And we lose joy. But the more we focus on others, we, can't, we, we spend less time worrying about our needs. We, we focus on others' needs. And I'm not talking, just talking, there's, I'm, it's great to have others in your life, have other relationships, but I'm not just talking about other relationships that are mutual. I'm talking about focusing on helping others and meeting others' needs, encouraging others. One, when you do that, you begin to see that your issues are not that big, or at least that other people have the same issues, that you're not alone. See, we were created to be in relationship with others. Relationship requires sacrifice. And when our focus is on ourselves, we can't have the kind of relationship we were created for. The kind of relationships that truly bring joy. Focus on other people. Another, an important way to focus on other people is in regards to bringing people into a relationship with Christ. Or at least sharing what it means to have a relationship with Christ with people. In, in Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. And he says, when one comes, when one comes, Father rejoices. And he says that the shepherd brings that one with joy. And he says, when, when that one comes back, not only does the Father rejoice, all of heaven rejoices. And we should rejoice. We should find joy in, in sharing our faith with other people. You know, one, one person I love, I don't think he's here, one person I, I love spending time with, um, I, and I meet with him one-on-one almost every week, is Kyle Moody. I don't know if you know Kyle, um, and, but Kyle works at Smith. And you know one reason, thing I love about Kyle? Kyle will talk about Jesus to a turnip, man. I mean, Kyle, Kyle just, he loves talking about Jesus to people. And, and he will, and, and he, I, I literally, he's a checker at Smith. And I don't know, man, I keep telling him, Kyle, you're going to get in trouble one these days. I've literally, like, watched him just start praying with people in the checkout stand because he talks about Jesus to them, and they're, telling, they're complaining. They're, they're upset about something going on in their life, and he's just like, man, Jesus can help that, and let me pray for you. And he, and, and he does, man, and, and it's contagious to be around Kyle. I like spending time with Kyle because he makes me more contagious because it, there's something about... And I'll tell you, if you, don't, if you know much about Kyle, Kyle doesn't have his, all of his life together. You know, I mean, he's got his own issues. He could be, he could be complaining. There's, Kyle's got plenty of stuff he could be worrying about and complaining about. But he doesn't do it because he's so focused on how he can help other people, not just talking about Jesus. He'll, he, he'll, my wife the other day was short a few bucks at, at the store, and, and, and Kyle, you know, I mean, he's getting by, but it's, it's paycheck to paycheck. And he's like, oh, well, here, let me take care of it for you. Because he's always focused on other people's needs. And, and he finds joy in it. And there, there's joy in him. Second thing is trials. We find joy in, in trials if we look for it. I won't spend much time here because we spent the, the two weeks before Easter talking about this. If you missed it and, you, and you're going through trials, I really recommend listening to the two weeks online on victory, um, finding victory in Jesus. But, but I will say this. 
we oftentimes pray for God to change our circumstances, but we have to remember this. Sometimes God's not going to change our circumstances because our circumstances are changing us. Sometimes he's not going to change our circumstances because our circumstances are changing us. God is more concerned with your fruit than your comfort. And he wants you to grow. And sometimes those circumstances that you're in are the things that are going to make you the person he is pruning you to become. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, I'll just look, look at verse 3. He says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We rejoice in our suffering. Are you finding joy in difficult things you're going through? We need to find joy. doesn't mean we, we bounce through life unaware, ignoring that the issues are happening. But it does mean that we, we learn to find the joy in them. God can change obstacles and opportunities if we search for him to do so. I can look back on every trial I've gone through in life and point to how it has blessed me and point to how it has helped me become the man God created me to be. Now, I, many of you know, but, you know, my, I wasn't raised by my mom and dad. My mom literally, like, left me, like, like left, like I was standing with a suitcase, that kind of thing, and my dad was an addict. I had all those kind of issues growing up. I could, I could, I could allow that to say, oh, poor me, my whole life. But I, wasn't, I was taught that that's not okay. I was taught that, Shane, you, you're going you're gonna to have to choose to let that ruin your life or you're going to have to choose to, to, make, to, to grow through it. And, and, and through that, what I found, and I'm saying that the, the only reason I'm bringing that up is I have found God has used those things in my life to help me be there for so many other people. To help me understand when people are going through those kinds of issues. To help me listen when someone's hurting because of stuff they're dealing with. Where if I had not had that, my personality, I probably wouldn't. I'm, I'm kind of not that great, honestly. As I've told you before, I'm not the pastor who's great at like hospital visits. I'm not the like going to sit there for hours. And the, I, it's not. But because of my experiences, God has shaped me to be way different than I would have been had I not had those experiences. Your experiences will shape you if you let them. Third is purpose. See, Paul was able to say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He says that in Philippians 1.21. He says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And the reason he was able to say that is because he knew he had purpose and he lived that purpose out. Can we honestly say that? If, go, I challenge you to this today. Go around at lunchtime. And ask each other, could, I, could you honestly say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Or would, have, would you have to say something else if you're being honest? You know, for a lot of people, it would be for me to live is, Christ, for me to live is pleasure. You know, for me to live is pleasure. For me to live is thinking about my next toy, my next gadget, my next vacation, my next pay grade, my, my next whatever. It's whatever's going to help make my life better. I'm always thinking about what, what I want and what I need next. Maybe that's you. For some, it's, it's prestige. 
man, my, you know, to be recognized for stuff, you know. For me to live as prestige. For me to live as my accomplishments. For me to live as people recognizing that I have achieved something. That I, I'm better at other, than other people at a lot of things. Maybe it's popularity. For me to live is popularity. For me to live is to say I have more likes on my videos and whatever on Facebook than everyone else around me. Right? My, I, I have more friends than everyone else around me. What, what is it for you? Is it, could, you? could we all say, for me to live is Christ? That's a tough one. But I believe that one of the ways we say that is because we, if we understand his purpose for our life, if we understand God has a purpose for you. So you were put here with a purpose, and when you begin to know and develop a relationship with God, and you really dig in, you begin to understand and learn his purposes for your life. And we find joy in that purpose. We find joy when we live out purpose. Paul understood that. He understood that joy came from serving God's purposes. He passes this on to to Timothy. Timothy was someone he was mentoring, a young man he was mentoring. He said this to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. He says, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner. That's what he says. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. I'm going to start recruiting people as volunteers that way. Join with me in suffering, right? I mean, that's a, like, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not like your best recruitment uh, statement right there. But, but he, Paul does, Paul's like, you, you're going to find joy in it. Why? Because you're going to know you have purpose. And he recognized, man, people's, one of our greatest needs is to know we live for purpose. Nobody wants to die knowing that at the end, what was the purpose? He goes on, he goes, this grace was given to us in in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who was destroyed death and has brought life and immorality. Immorality. Oh, one word. Okay, it changed the whole meaning. All right, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. But listen to what he says here, verse 11. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and teacher. He said, he's basically saying, here's the gospel, and I know my purpose. My purpose is I was appointed by God to share this. He goes, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. See, you hear Paul's purpose? He recognizes God created me for a purpose, and I'm excited to share it. I'm excited to be a part of it. See, we have purpose that gives us meaning. My, my kids, we've talked at times about, like, well, how long, Dad, do you, be, do you think you'll be a pastor? And I've said, I'll be a pastor until someone says, Shane, you can't be the pastor anymore. Why? Because I love it. I, I look forward to coming every day and doing what I do. I, I look forward to, to all the... Does it mean it's all easy? No. Does it mean it's... It, sometimes it's a pain to come up with stuff to talk about every week that is good. It's, sometimes it's a pain to listen to... The, there's, a lot, there's trials in it. There, the churches have... Believe me, a lot of people think it's all beds and roses, a bed of roses to work for a church. It's, there's a lot of issues in working for, for a church. But I still find joy in it because I know I have a purpose. And it might not always be the purpose to be the head pastor, but there's, there's a purpose in it. And I, I, and I love it. So I'll do it as long as I can. I just went on an amazing vacation 
few weeks ago. It was awesome. But if you told me I had to do that for the rest of my life, I would hate it. Why? Because there's no purpose in it. It was exciting. It was nice. It was refreshing. I love riding my motorcycle. But if you told me, Shane, every day get on your motorcycle and ride. No. Because I want to I have purpose in my life. And maybe your, you know, your purpose isn't to preach. Your purpose isn't to be a pastor. Your purpose is to do what you do for God's glory. Whatever that is. If you're a hairdresser, your, your purpose isn't just to, okay, do hair so I can get money. Your purpose is to do hair so you can help people feel better about themselves. You can, you can, help, you can minister to people while you're doing it. You, you can share the gospel with people. God put you in a specific place to, to do what you're doing, to, to bless people. And see, when you look for purpose in what you're doing and you know that God has you there in it, it changes your life. It changes the way you see things. Every single thing that one of, everyone does in here can be used even as a way to, to, to bless people by, by doing it as a ministry. You, you have skills that other people don't have and you can bless people by, by helping them out. You, you have gifts and talents that other people don't have. Find purpose in Christ. It will change your life and it will find, help you find joy and contentment in all circumstances. Finally, we find joy in Christ. We find joy in Christ. When we, when we go back to that key verse and we read it in context, what we see is that Jesus is saying that our joy isn't complete when we remain in him and when we are in a relationship with him. Look at, look at what it says, John 15, verse 9 through 12. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. See, Jesus is saying, when you remain in me, you'll have joy and your joy will be complete. When you understand that your life is in me, you'll find joy in these other things. He also he basically says, what does it need to remain in him? It's to live a life of love. That's what we talked about last week. Right? It's to live a life of love. Did you know you can't love and be selfish at the same time? You can't love someone and be selfish at the same time. You can pretend you're loving them to get what you want. Right? Anyone have teenagers, you understand. Um, <laughs> they love you. They love you, but they're, you know. Um, you can pretend something to get what you want, but you, you can't truly love someone and be selfish. You can't love and be working out of a place of self-absorption. Now, I, I do want to just stop real quick because I think there's some groups of people that just need to make sure they understand the other side of this. It's not selfish to take time to make sure you are full to bless other people. Moms, there's nothing wrong with you making sure you get the sleep that you need, that you get time to spend a little time relaxing with friends or with your husband or doing 
whatever it takes for you to nourish yourself. There's nothing time with you taking time in the morning or whenever to spend time in God's word. And even then there are other things that need to be done so that you can be there for the long haul for your kids. Parents in general, there's nothing time for nothing selfish about you getting away from your children and taking dates and getting time. Yeah, whoop, whoop, that's good. Sound like someone said that, did they? <laughs> oh, it was my wife. Yeah, whoop, whoop. All right. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. It's healthy. It's better for your children. It makes your marriage stronger so that you can be there for the long haul for your children. As a pastor, I take time. I take a day off. I, I, I make sure I take time to, so that I can be here for the long haul. I don't want to be a pastor that's here for five to ten years and then moves on. I want, I want to minister to this body as long as God calls me to do so because I don't want to burn out. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between that and a society that is telling us, oh, you know what? No, you always, it's all about you because you can't, be, you can't do anything until you have everything you need. See, we, there's, there's a difference. I re literally read an article about the positivity of narcissism this week. And it said, it said, basically, it's better for you to focus completely on yourself because until you are completely fulfilled, you will never be able to really help other people. And this was written by a doctor. So we're, we're, we're moving in that direction. But there's a difference. The Apostle Paul knew what it meant to find his strength in Christ. And I'll close with this statement. Philippians 1, 12 through 17. Paul says this. He's in prison for the gospel. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And he says in verse 13, he says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak a word, the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul understood that he was in chains for Christ. That no matter what his circumstances were, he was chained to Christ. He was not chained to his circumstances. He was not chained to his circumstances. We are all living for something. Some of us are living for pleasure, some for prestige, some for popularity, some for whatever it is you're, that you might feel should be on the list. But Paul understood what, whatever we live for makes us its slave. Whatever we live for makes us a slave, and he chose to chain himself to Christ. What are you chained to? What are you chained to? Until we live for Christ and chain ourselves to him, we will always be chained to our circumstances, and joy will be a fleeting thing. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your love for us, your unconditional love. And God, I know that you love me even when I choose to chain myself to my circumstances. You love me even when I choose to fall into despair. That you love me even when I, I've become miserable about different things in life. And God, as I look to my children and sometimes they, they get miserable about just simple things that I think are foolish... I know you look to me that same way. You look down and you think you're, 
You wish we would just get over it and understand that there's a bigger picture. And yet you love us through it all. So God, help us to live in that love, to be thankful for that love. And God, to live in such a way that we seek to find joy in all circumstances through you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, as we uh, come.